Good to see you guys, man. It's been a minute. It has been, that's a phrase. Some of you old people are like, what did he just say? It's been a lot longer than that. I haven't been here with you in five weeks, and so I just want you to know I'm like a horse ready to come out of the gate, so I'm pretty excited. Uh, I've been eating like a horse because I've been on vacation for a while, so you can pray for me about that. Can we say good morning to our Framingham family, TC family? Online family, good morning, everybody. Love all you guys. I've been visiting the other campuses. TC, so proud of you guys, what you guys are doing. Exciting, exciting things coming up for TC. Can't wait to announce that. Framingham, man, last week in Framingham, it was packed. Uh, my wife and I went to the service, and at 10 a.m., there was no more parking. They illegally parked me. Come on, somebody. That's how good, that's, you, know, you know church is good when they illegally park the pastor. At the end of the service, there was a connection card they made look like a ticket, and they said I owe $500 in the offering because I was illegally parked. Praise the Lord. Shout out, Oscar. That was a good one on me. Anyway, I'm so glad to be with you guys this morning. We are in uh, the second installment of a series that we've been doing. And here's, here's kind of the premise of the series. For those of you guys that are new to Connect, welcome. Uh, my name is Pastor Derek, the lead pastor or lead servant here, I'd like to say. And, and Pastor Devin kicked it off last week. Did he do a great job or what? Yikes. Fire. Fire. F-I-Y-A. Fire. That was incredible. Um, but the, the premise, and he and I talked about this, is, is, is based on observations uh, from ministry, is that sometimes in, in summer we go on vacation physically, and then we inadvertently take a vacation from God. Right, And so I want to pull you out of summer mode and put you back into kingdom of God mode. This is about increasing your hunger for God. How many hungry for God want more of God in, in Jesus' name? And, and Pastor Devin kicked off our series last week, and, and he talked about hunger. And one of the things he said is that before there can be harvest, which represents blessing and promise and these, these outcomes we want to see, there has to first be hunger. There has to first be. I, can I get more amens from Ashley? I know Framingham and TC are saying amen, but I'm looking for more here. But here's a theme text for us if you're uh, taking notes. This is from Psalm 107, verse 9. This is what it says. The psalmist writes, for he satisfies the longing soul and the hungry soul. Everybody say hungry soul. He fills with good things. How many want to be filled with good things? All right. Now, this summer, I've been filled with things like this over here. No, not really. I, I, you, some of you guys who know how I am, I, I'm really not this, okay? The Doritos, and I haven't had an Oreo in 35 years. That's pretty, I haven't had Mountain Dew in probably 35 years. Anyway, pretty crazy. But I'll tell you what my, what my one of my weaknesses currently is ice cream. Hey, ice cream followers. Yeah, I ate more ice cream on vacation in two-week period than I did the entire year. And it shows. You know, I lost my abs, my six-pack, now I have a one-pack. I like to call it a belly bicep. Praise the Lord. It was bad. It was bad. I ate a lot of ice cream. And so anyway, here, here's what happens is he, the Bible says in this verse, he doesn't satisfy every soul. He's, this, you see that? He doesn't satisfy every soul, just the ones who long for him. He doesn't fill every soul, just the ones who are hungry for him. So I, I want you to get hungry. I'm going to try to get you hungry today, not on the wrong things, but on the right things in Jesus' name. Not on Netflix and, and, and everything we can watch and everything we can put to our eye gate and everything we can put into our stomach that just temporarily satisfies us. Uh, but 
but I want to get you hungry for God. And, and I, but I will use an analogy. I will use a story real quickly. I, I, I will say this. My longtime kryptonite for, for food, again, it wasn't that, so I'm, I'm judging people maybe indirectly, but I want to judge myself. My longtime kryp, kryptonite was mashed potatoes. Now, I'm talking like good mashed potatoes, like in our, homemade mashed potatoes. And our, our family has a family recipe and process that we go through that we do not reveal. So if you ask me about it, I'm sorry, I won't tell you what it is. I'd have to kill you and, and to give it to you. But, but the mashed potatoes that my father used to do, my grandmother used to do, that my father did, that I learned how to do, they make you want to smack your granny. You know what I'm saying? Like, do you know that phrase from the South? So good, make you want to smack your granny. I never knew where that came from. All the grandmothers run and hide whenever that's said. But they, they're so good. In fact, when I would go out to eat, like for a, you know, for a really nice meal, I'm not a fast food person. I'm not a Wendy's guy. I'm like a steak guy. I'm like a steak house kind of guy. Anybody salivating right now? And, and sure, I want to have a nice steak. But when we're having the steak or the chicken or the fish, I want to know, do you ha I ask them right away, do you have mashed potatoes? And then they'll say, good question, right? Praise the Lord. Wisdom. And then, I'll, and then I'll say, are they real? Isn't that crazy how you have to say? Are they real? Yeah, they're real. I'm like, oh, great. I mean, thank you. You know, they should automatically be real. I want to know even more than that. Like, what do you put in your mashed potatoes? I want to know what kind of stuff's inside that. Is it real butter? Do you have the cream cheese? Do you a little dash of milk, salt and pepper? What's going on with that? But, man, if they're good, here's what happens. If the mashed potatoes are so good they make you want to smack your granny, when you leave that restaurant, it's interesting. When you are satisfied, when you are full, you know, of those mashed potatoes, you, you, you kind of, you, you become like a living advertisement for them. You know, you start singing songs. I need thee, oh, I need thee, mashed potatoes are for me. Bring me all that gravy. <laughs> you guys feeling this right now? I'm just trying to have some fun. You guys are a rough crowd. Please come to me, okay? But, but when you are fully satisfied from those mashed potatoes, what happens is you go out the door, and because you were satisfied and because of your experience, you automatically become almost like an evangelist for the restaurant. Did you notice that? Because you're full, you're on fire. You go out of the restaurant, you start opening the door, you're like, welcome. You know, I start... I'm like a host, welcome to Burton Steakhouse, you know what I mean? And do you work here? No, I just had some fire mashed potatoes. And I, whatever you do, get the mashed potatoes. And maybe you're gig something else. Like if you got fully satisfied by something you ate, you're on fire for that, and you want to share that experience with somebody else. And you're like, whatever you do, get the nachos. And I want a church where people come into the house of God, they get so full that they leave this place on fire and they say, whatever you do, you got to listen to that message. You got to get inside that church. You got to go to that small group because you were filled, because you were satisfied. Are you with me, everybody? Come on, somebody. But the Bible tells us we must live on the very words of God. Matthew chapter 4, I'll paraphrase this text, but Jesus is being tempted in the wilderness. We'll look at that maybe later. But in verse 4, he says this to the devil. Some of you might need to say this to the devil who's coming against you. People do not live on bread alone, but they live on every word that comes out of the mouth of God. Are you with me? I just want you to know God wants to speak to you. 
God wants to give you words of life. He wants to help the people that almost feel like they're spiritually starving and satisfied. Because if you're not hearing words from God, I would submit to you, you're spiritually, unknowingly sometimes starving or emaciated. God wants to fill the longing of your heart. He wants to fill your hungry soul. Would you bow your heads, all campuses, online, would you pray with me? Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for this opportunity to share your word. I thank you, God, that your word, you, you said this in John chapter 6, your words are spirit and life. I ask that the spirit be on these words, that life be in these words today. Tell, teach us, help us, show us how to grow, how to hunger uh, for the things of God. Specifically today, how to hunger to hear the voice of God in Jesus' name. And the church said, amen, amen, and amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, get ready, get ready, get ready. <laughs> Thank you, brother. Today's message is entitled, Hungry to Hear. Hungry to Hear. And I want to talk about that today. If you want to follow along in our Church Center app, uh, they'll probably put that on the screen. You can follow, and the notes are all inside there, and you can follow with us uh, together. Um, I do my best to get those ready for you. But I want to focus your attention not only on just hearing the voice of God, but also how to, to discern if it is, in fact, the voice of God. Is that God talking to me or is that uh, a bad taco that I ate last night? Like what, what is happening right now? How do I know? Now, at the outset, let me just say uh, as a clarification, uh, the, pro the problem that we have actually is not hearing God. The problem that many of us have is listening to God. Because God is actually always speaking. We're just not always listening. Amen? And that's going to be a foundation for this. My sheep, the Bible says, know my voice. So if your sheep, say, I'm a sheep. Be careful how you say that. Say, I'm a sheep. Make sure you get the at the end of it. My sheep know, they know my voice. There's no child that went to school to learn how to hear their mom and dad's voice. There's no classes in school for that. It's inherent. It's a, it's short of a problem with the ear where there's an impairment or something that is, a device is needed or something like that. Uh, short of that, we just, it's a natural part of the Christian experience to be able to hear God. Is everybody with me right now? And, and I know this to be true, like uh, an illustration would be using my son and, and my grandson as well. I'll use my oldest grandson, Zion, because most of you know him, um, but Zion, not too long ago, on this stage, uh, was, there was a Christmas production. Our, we have a Christian school, an amazing Christian school, by the way, which is burgeoning and blowing up. Uh, there's a parent meeting right after church today here. Uh, it's the biggest it's ever been. W waiting list. It's crazy. But my son is, my grandson is in that school, and he was here for the Christmas production. There were kids piled up here, all in their crazy attire, you know, looking fly and bringing it righteous, as I like to say. And they're all demonstrating their personalities, and you can see all the different personalities. Some are super animated. Some are just sitting there like this, you know what I mean, like super funny. But not my, not my grandson, okay? But there were so many voices, if you didn't know Zion, you couldn't hear Zion. But see, as a grandfather, as a father, I know my grandson's voice. It's inherent. It's a part of the relationship, the devotional relationship that we have. Con just another, conversely, my son, when he was young, Devin, uh, playing ball. He still plays ball today competitively. But when he was in high school, I was an uh, active father in his basketball experience, to say the least. 
I didn't sit in the crowd. I was on the floor. I'm not lying. My wife would tell on me if I, if I was lying. And so the coach would be on one side of the court coaching the team. I'd be on the other side coaching Devin <laughs> through the crowd. And some guy would be trying to shut him down and, 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 and cut him off. I'm like, change of speed, dribble, crossover, spin move, go, come on, on defense, beat him to the line. Come on, put your foot on the line. Don't let him cross you up, blah, blah, blah. And I'd just be going back and forth. And through all the other voices, my son could hear my voice. I want you to know something. God hears you, and you can hear God. You can hear God. But we have to be hungry to hear, and sometimes there's things that, that get in the way. There's sometimes that there's some kind of a, a disconnect. So I'm here to tell you, if you're a sheep, I'm a sheep. If you're a sheep, you can hear God, but you're going to have to figure out what, what, what's going wrong with this receiver, what's happening between uh, him and I. And so I want to tell you, uh, using two characters in the Bible, Devin used one king. I'm going to use two kings today. And I'm going to thump through some scripture, and it's a little radical to begin with. So First Chronicles chapter 10, let me open with this text, and you'll be like, wow. Here we go. So, here we go. Saul died because he was unfaithful to the Lord. He failed to obey the Lord's command, and, and he even consulted a medium instead of asking the Lord for guidance. So the Lord killed him and turned the kingdom over to David, son of Jesse. That's your opening text after being away for vacation, Pastor Derek. Wow, the fall's going to be rough. Okay, so hang on. Hang on. Let me unpack the context of that uh, text from 1 Samuel. So Chronicles and 1 Samuel kind of go together a little bit. <clears throat> 1 Samuel chapter 28, are you tracking with me, everybody? All campuses say amen. amen. It says this, when Saul saw the vast Philistine army, he became frantic with fear. He asked the Lord what, what he should do. But the Lord refused to answer him, either by dreams or sacred lots or the prophets. So then Saul said to his advisors, find me a woman who is a medium, a witch, so I can go and ask her what to do. This is when everything really started going bad for Saul. Saul actually, because of this evil thing he had done, God basically said, I'm done with you. Okay? Now, I'm going to read another text in a little while and unpack kind of another personality. Uh, you can probably guess who it is. It's David, yes. And I'm going to contrast their, their approaches to God. These two characters and their two different approaches, and as a result, they're two different outcomes. But it's very relevant to this message, hungry to hear. It's very relevant to discerning the voice of God in your life. But let's look at King David. Here's another text, 1 Samuel chapter 30. Hang with me for a little Bible, then I'll unpack it. Verse 6, chapter 30, David was now in great danger. One translation says greatly distressed. Why? Because all of his men wanted to stone him and kill him because their sons and daughters and wives were gone and had, and, 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 and had been taken from them. So in this horrible situation, the Bible says David found strength in the Lord his God. Everybody say, David found strength in the Lord his God. Then it says, really key there, then he goes to the high priest and he says, get my, get my ephod. That's just thing you would put on you before you would approach God. It was a, like a, 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 a covering of righteousness so that you could go before a righteous God, so to speak. And so he goes before God after he had approached God for strength, and then he asks God, what should I do? Will I be successful? And God says, yes, you'll be successful. So what do we see? We see two people, two different approaches. One who is not faithful to God, one who is not obeying God, is now dead because of it. 
one king was disappointed, got in a pickle with a problem, and gets a little freaked out and violates the normal process of relationship and skips a bunch of steps and goes to a witch to find help. And in fact, he doesn't go to God. He goes to Samuel instead of God so that Samuel can go to God for him. Okay? Are you with me, everybody? And so this witch doctor actually saw coerced to conjure up Imagine this. This is a crazy Bible story. To conjure up Samuel, the prophet, who spoke for God, who was already dead. This is in your Bible. This is some crazy stuff. You don't have to go to the movies or Netflix. You can just read your stinking Bible. Okay? 1 Samuel 28, 17 says, this is Samuel speaking. From the grave. The Lord... Crazy story coming back, but I got to come back crazy. Okay, the Lord has done what he predicted through me. The Lord has torn the kingdom of your hands, he's speaking to Saul, and given it to one of your neighbors, to David. Because you did not obey the Lord or carry out his fierce wrath against these really bad people, the Lord has done this to you today. The Lord will deliver both Israel and you into the hands of the Philistines, and tomorrow you and your sons will be with me. In the grave, okay? Now, I can't explain all that. Theologians have been debating the details of that. But it's pretty clear, and most people believe, that a witch conjured Samuel from the grave to speak to Saul because Saul wanted to get a word from God. And Samuel basically says, bro, to Saul, this is my paraphrase, you've done it now. You're going to mess up really, really bad. Like, this is stupid what you've done. You already disobeyed God by not destroying the Amalekites, which he told you to do. You did it partially. You didn't fully obey. You didn't resign when I told you to resign. You, kept, you held on to your crown. And now David's going to be king. If you had resigned, things could be different. But by tonight, you your, and your sons, you're going to be with me. Wow. That's, what, that's the context. Crazy text, right? So here's how it relates to discerning the voice of God. I'm going to give you five things really quickly. Are you still with me? Yes. Number one, write this down if you're taking notes. When you are more desperate for a word from God than you are devoted to God, you can lose discernment and become susceptible to deception. Saul's, Saul's desperation for a word. What does that mean for those of you that are new? It's like an answer, a solution. A decision. Saul's desperation for that uh, cost him uh, dearly. He wanted a word so badly. And wanting a word is not a problem, but when wanting a word from God at the expense of devotion to God, that's when the waters get murky. Wow. This is better than you're saying amen. Okay? Some of you are like, well, I would never go to a witch. Some of us have been, have, in our life and in our journey, have gone to some fortune tellers, if I want to get really graphic. Whenever I see a fortune teller, I drive by or a tarot card reader. I, this is me. I'm just going to tell you, be honest with you. I put my hand out and say, I curse that place in the name of Jesus. Leading people astray, leading people down false. That's a medium. That's a witch from Endor. I curse it in Jesus' name. You ought to do the same thing. But anyway, that's just a sidebar. But you may not do that, but you might be going to some Facebook prophets. You might be going to some Instagram seers. You might be going to some TikTok fortune tellers. It's not, you might say, well, that's different. It's, no, it's not. You're still looking for a word. You're still looking for a solution. You're still looking for an answer to your problem. And you're circumventing the process of relationship and devotion with the Holy God. Saul got a word. 
He got a word, but he didn't get a solution. He didn't get a good one, that's for sure. It was at the expense of his devotion for God. The scripture says that Saul wasn't faithful. What does that mean? He's like, he's playing games. And so when he needed help, when he was in a pickle and he had a problem, he wanted a microwave message from his maker now. And he's like, tell me what I should do. Instead of going to God and saying, how are you and me doing? Instead of returning back to his father, to the shepherd of his soul, instead of recognizing and being honest about the fact that there's been some distance, there's been some disconnect, we're, 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 we're one, let's say, long-term, but, but in the in-between, we've, we've, fallen apart, we've fallen astray from each other. Our devotion is not as good. And so he, he goes to God in this state saying, tell me what I should do. And, and when these attitudes come upon us who claim to be Christians, we get a word sometimes, but we've lost discernment about it. This, this you could write in your notes perhaps, discernment from the Holy Spirit. It will always be contingent to devotion to God. It will always be tethered. It will always be tied to your devotion to God. In fact, when your devotion is good, I'll call it optimized, when it's good, it'll help you discern right from wrong. In fact, you could have, you could have a prophet uh, that may not mean anything to you. You could have somebody who you think is spiritually got the hotline to Jesus who can speak for him. You could have somebody speak something to you, but because of your devotion, you're, you're the spirit of God inside you, you're knower, you can tell when something's on or off. Just that, that, that's just off. This, this can be very significant in your life at different stages and seasons of your life. One time, many years ago, this happened. This is a reality, fast and furious. I was, on, I was at a conference. I was out of state. My wife and I were seeking direction as associate pastors what our next step was. And while we're there, I meet this pastor, this big shot, and he decides, he likes me. He says, I want to, let's go to lunch. He takes me to lunch during the conference. So I'm like, wow, this is incredible. Like, woo, this is amazing. And so he's like, tell me your story. And the first thing that came out of him, I tell him about this, this, this pickle, this problem I'm in. I don't know whether I'm supposed to stay or I'm supposed to go. And so he puts his finger in my chest and he prophesies and says, do what's in your heart. God has called you to plant a church. God has called you. I witnessed to what she said because we were toying with maybe we should go to North Carolina. We were going to be the next Elevation Church. I was going to be Stephen Furtick. Before Stephen Furtick, praise the Lord. Just kidding. But, but I remember him speaking that, and I'm crying. I'm like, oh, my God, God is speaking. God is speaking. i got an answer. I've got direction. I've got a solution. And I left that, that lunch and dropped him off. I couldn't even go back into the conference. I called my wife on the phone. I'm like, baby, you're not going to believe what happened. I unpack it for her. We're crying. We're like, we're moving to North Carolina. We're moving to North Carolina. And I hung up the phone, and the Spirit of God wow. said, no, you're not. Mm-mm-mm. No, 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 no. You are in covenant with that church. And unless, this is what the Lord said to me, unless he divorces itself from you, you're in covenant with that church the rest of your life. And that's why I'm here today. Because devotion gave me discernment. Are you with me, everybody? One time, Apostle Paul, who knew his, 
who knew in his knower, in his spirit, what God had called him to do, meets a prophet named Agabus. Agabus comes to him and says, this is the man, this is the man. And, and he proceeds to tell him, your hands are going to be tied and, and you're going to be bound. And, and he, was, he was foreseeing something that was going to happen. And he gets, kind of gets dramatic and he pulls out a belt. And you can read it for yourself in the book of Acts. And Paul's like, yeah, I know. Yeah, I know that already. By the way, that's good. It's cool. Good illustration, too. You should use that. Put it on YouTube. Be, probably get a lot of followers. Like, he, was, he wasn't impressed because he was already, he already knew. See, a lot of times you guys are looking for direction from a word, from a voice, when it should be confirmation from his voice. The prophetic voice shouldn't be directional. It should be confirmational. This is better than you're saying amen. One time my grandson, same one, younger, much younger than he is right now, um, how do I say this? He was getting some strange attention from a particular individual at the church in this in this in this church at that time, who I had been ministering to privately, who had some sexual issues. And this 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 experience with my grandson, he started coming around my grandson, and my grandson started acting funny. In fact, he started not, he's not normally like this, if you know him, and he starts clinging to me. And then he started looking for his father. He started looking for his mother. And I want you to understand something. He didn't know anything, but he could pick up something was wrong because of the relationship that he had with his father and with his grandfather. He had discernment. So sometimes you think you need a prophet. Sometimes you think you need a pastor. You need some high and lofty person to tell you what to do. You just need to know your God. And when you know your God, your God will give you discernment. And that discernment will give you protection. Even a small child can have that. Are you with me? And it concerns me how many people are looking for a word, looking for a voice. Sometimes I have people come, Pastor, give me a word. I'll go to other, other, other churches. Pastor, give me a word. I want a word. Give me a word. And I hear about this. And it... And I'm not upset with what I see online. I'm not on a particular personality in mind. I'm just upset with the immaturity. I'm upset with, with the, 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 the missing the process that God has for us. And so I see people, they, they give money to, to, to a spiritist, a prophet, maybe even a pastor sometimes in hopes of blessing. And all these people are handing out to you is, is good words and kind words and encouragement. And you're going to get this. And you're going to be able to do that and all of that. And then they're taken and they're robbed blind. It's happened to me. People have stolen my identity and then used it to get money from other people. That's happened multiple times. And it grieves me. And it's because people want a word at the expense of their devotion to God. Wow. And they fall prey. They fall prey to, to their immaturity, to their hurt, to their offense, to their rejection. And so what happens is they look outside the community that God has for them. And I want to express that God wants to communicate to you through your community. Listen to God in community. That's another thing to write down. Listen to God in community. Paul, uh, you know, he... he he had that devotion. He stayed as Saul went outside of his community. Saul tries to, you might say, well, pastor, the scripture read, it looked like he was going to Samuel. looked like he was going to God first. His problem wasn't his community in that situation. His problem was his character. So sometimes you're in community, but you get outside of it because your character's been confronted. And you don't like it. Is this a strong message coming back? Yes, it is. See, sometimes we have a need, but we have to heed what he already said first. And this applies sometimes to, you know, words from God. Words from God can be good. They can be direction, but they can also be correction. 
They can be encouragement, but sometimes they can be challenged as well. And so many times we switch communities, we sever contact with the people that know us best and that God wants to use most. And so if you're not hearing from God, I would say... It's interesting how people run from church instead of running to church. It's interesting when people need to hear from God, they run from small group instead of running to small group. It's interesting that when people want to hear God, they run from their brother and sister in Christ who knows them best instead of running to those people. So don't sever the community sever the, and sever the connection with those people. Fix it in Jesus' name. Heal it, and then the hearing aid comes on. Amen? Are you with me, everybody? And so we'll see in a moment why God stopped speaking to him. But just listen, everybody. you got mentors, some of you. Some of you don't need one. you got small group leaders. Go to the small group. Listen and listen up. Listen to your pastor when he's talking to you right now. Because sometimes God is talking to a group, but he's also talking to an individual. And you can feel it because the Spirit of God is telling you that he's talking to me right now. I don't have anybody in mind, but God does. God does. Amen. Number two, write this down. Your relationship with the Holy Spirit is more important than your revelation from him. Your relationship is more important than your revelation. So you, I've taught this for years. Don't, God, don't go to God just for a word, a direction, a solution, a handout. Make sure you go to God for his presence. Seek his face first. So that's what David did differently. In 1 Samuel chapter 30, David, when he was in crisis, the Bible says he found strength in the Lord his God. He didn't go to God first for an answer. He went to God first for strength. He was discouraged. He was distressed. He, was, he felt decimated. In one day, he was like bankrupt, divorced. You know, he, 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 death was all around him, you know, principally. In one day. And in that day, on his worst day, he did something different than many people do. He went to God first for strength. He inquires of the Lord first and says, God, I'm so lost right now. My wives are gone. That's another story. My kids are gone. The place that I live is decimated. The team I was getting ready to play for has rejected me. I'm broken. I'm, I, 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 I'm so emotional. I, I literally want to die. God, I need you. I need help. I don't know what he did. I don't know what it means. When it says he found strength in the Lord, did he pray? Did he cry? Did he yell? Did he scream? Like, did he, did he just, you know, was he prostrate before God for hours? I don't know. But at the end of it, the Bible says he found strength in the Lord his God. Then, then he asked God for help. What do I do? And what's my next step? Are you with me, everybody? So your relationship is more important than your revelation. And if you don't hear, you got to get near. If you don't hear, don't go away. Get closer. If you don't hear, you got to get near. And God wants to be there for you in the middle of your pickle and your problem. He wants to be there for you because he wants to come right alongside you to build that trust, to build that relationship. Why? Because there's a tendency for man when he gets a quick solution, a microwave message. You know what he does with God? He drops him like a hot potato. And God doesn't want to be a means to an end. He wants to be the goal of your life. Come on, give the Lord a big praise for that. That's true. So until, until you're fed by him, you can't be led by him. Until you're fed by him, you can't be led by him. So don't run to God and say, give me a word. Run to God and say, give me you. Give me you. Give me you. 
Those that wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. Isaiah chapter 40 tells us this. They will walk and not faint. They will run and not grow weary. See, God wants to strengthen you. you you've got to be fed by him before you can be led by him. Then, everybody say then. Then, then you can say, what do I do? What's next? What should I do? I don't have time to tell about Esther, but Esther, Queen Esther, was in this incredible relationship, this favored relationship with the king that God put her for such a time as this, when there would be a day when her and her people could be destroyed. It was all being uh, orchestrated by this particular man named Haman, and Esther goes before the king, inquires of the king, and when she goes before the king, she doesn't say, help! My people are about to be destroyed. I don't know what I'm going to do. By the way, you already killed my parents. I'm so mad. I'm so upset. Help. No, she doesn't do that. She invites the king to a banquet. She, invite, she needs deliverance. She asks for a date. And, and, and she has a date with the king. And the king comes and is like, all right, I know you women always want something. What do you want? And she, and she, she, most people would have just dropped it right there. I want, I need. She doesn't do that. She goes, it, you know, if it, if, if it pleases you, O king, would you come to another banquet? She slow cooks the king. <laughs> and the king knows it. And he likes it. And so, and this is, what, this is a parallel. When the king knows you want him more than what you want from him, then you're not only you're not only in the king you not only have the king's hand he's got your hand you not only have the king but the king's got you and so don't go to the king with a burden before you go to the king with a blessing don't go with a problem go to the king with 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 a banquet I hope you're seeing this parallel here. Are you with me, everybody? And so then she has this meeting, and the second time, and Haman's right there, and, and something shifts. And he's like, what do you want? And she's like, I need you to save me and my people. And this, this guy, who was so confident before, gets down on his knees, starts begging for his life. And if you want your enemy, to, how many want your enemy to get on his knees? Then make a date with the king first before you ask for something from him. And he'll put your enemy on his knees, everybody. Are you with me? Number three, write this down. When you are filled with God's word, you will be familiar with God's voice. My sheep know my voice. I know them, and they follow me. 1 Corinthians 10, 13, the second part of this first verse, Saul died because he was unfaithful to the Lord. We already saw that. But he also failed to obey the Lord's commands. Back then, this is known as the Torah. We could call it the scriptures today. And so, basically, God says to him, uh, uh, excuse me, Saul says to God, what do I do? And basically, God says to him, I already told you what to do, and you didn't do it. So I got nothing else to say to you. And what saddens me about our generation, our current Christian generation is, listen to me when I say this, we are a God said it, God said generation. We're so quick to say God said. Oh, I got something to say here. I don't know if I'm going to be able to say it with 25 seconds. I can promise you that. <clears throat> but when Jesus was in the wilderness, I'll say it like this, he was tempted by the devil. And when he was tempted by the devil, Jesus didn't say, I said it. That settles it. Jesus didn't say that. He could have because he was the word. John 1.14, the word became flesh and dwelt among men. He could have just said, I said it, Satan, that's why. No, he didn't say that. He said, it is written. Wow. 
He didn't say God said it. He said, it is written. And then Satan said, oh, I can play that game. It also says it is written. Satan's like, oh, you think you got me? It is written. And they go back and forth for a little bit. And finally, the, the, the enemy is defeated three different times. Not with, I said so, that settles it. But with, it is written. It is written. Here's how it applies. Listen, listen, I got no time for this. Listen, so many Christians, I call the, 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 the God card. We're so quick to drop the God card. God card, God card. You can't, why? Because you can't say anything to the God card. God said, God said it, God said it. God said I'm supposed to divorce my husband. God said I'm supposed to quit my job. God said I'm supposed to go to another church. God said this, and God said, no, you're wrong. God said, God said, stop dropping the God card. It's, it's an abuse. It's a way to say that uh, I don't have confidence in my own character. I don't have confidence in, in my own merits. Uh, and so I'm going to use this God card to get what I want, to go where I want. And so it's either immaturity all the way to manipulation. Oh, my gosh. I don't know if you can handle this today. So what I'm telling people more is less of God said and more of it is written. Can I have an amen out there? Less of God said. And more of it is written. See, the people, here's why. The people that are extremely, I got so much to say, I don't know what I'm going to do. The people that are overly sensitive to the voice of God, some of you are very revelatory types. Like you're, like, you're hearing from God all the time, all the time. God said this to me, and God said that to me. Here's what happened with those people. If you're, not, if you're a person like that who is not grounded in the word, the wilderness will wipe you out. It will. And so what happens to those people is they're not getting, the paychecks aren't coming in. Things aren't, the prayers aren't being answered the way we thought we, they were going to be answered. The time we thought they were going to be answered. And the prophecy came and said, by this time, you shall blah, 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 blah. And then it didn't happen. And you know who's at the front door that next day? Satan saying, I thought God said. And then you're like, huh, that's right. And before you know it, it's the same thing he did to Eve in the garden. Did God say? Now he's in your garden saying, did God say? And you're like, no, he didn't say. And now you're free falling away from Jesus Christ, the only one who can help you because you're living on God said, not on it is written. My God, my God. The best weapon... The best weapon isn't to explain to the devil what God said. The best weapon is to explain to the devil what he already said in his word. <sighs> the best defense for you against him is to keep his word. Amen? So if you can't get a word from God, get into the word of God. Because God already said a bunch of stuff, everybody. God already said he will never leave me nor forsake me. God already said he sent his only begotten son for me. Come on, everybody. God already said you can do all things through Christ. I could quote scripture for days about what God already said. So I'll say it like this. Many people, they're struggling, right? And, and here's a connection. This is going to be a little, a little bit accelerated. But if your life doesn't resemble it is written... It's probably because it is wrong. That's better than you realize what I just said. You're thinking God said. I would just say if your life doesn't represent what he already said, then it probably, it's wrong. If it doesn't represent it is written, it's because it's probably, it is wrong, somebody. Okay? 90% of all you need to hear from God is already in his word. The other 10% you learn to discern. As you're led by the Spirit. Number four, 
Number four. Number five will come fast so the worship team can come now. Woo! Another reason some don't hear God anymore. Listen, listen to me. If you can't hear God's voice today, it's because you didn't listen to God's voice yesterday. Oh, my Jesus. 1 Samuel chapter 28, verse 18. Here's what it says. The Lord has done this to you today, but it's because you refused to carry out his fierce anger against the Amalekites, parentheses, yesterday. See, the problem is, the problem, we, we want a we word from God now, but we didn't listen to him then. What's Saul's problem? God stopped speaking because God already said some things to him. You are responsible for heeding what you're hearing. I know this is a strong message today, but I just want to apply it to myself. I have prayed many times. I've even fasted. That is a, that is a big deal for me because I love food, okay? And, and I have come to the end of those seasons and not gotten my prayers answered. Sometimes it felt like crickets, silence at the end of that road. And I'm not hearing the voice of the Lord. And, I'm not, and, and, and sometimes God speaks and, you know, you get the encouraging word. And, but sometimes God, it's because the past, when, I, when, I, when he was speaking, it was something corrective or directive. And I didn't do what he said. And so he's a good father. And so sometimes it includes words of change, words of adjustment, words of challenge. And so in the past, he'll remind me. He'll say, I spoke to you about forgiving. I spoke to you about giving. I spoke to you, you know, about repenting and not lamenting. I, there's things I already said to you, son, and you're not doing those things. So I would just say to you, ask yourself a question. If I'm not hearing God today, has God already spoken about something in the past where I said, no thanks, I don't like that one, I pick this on the buffet of God. And what you end up doing is, it's like on your computer, on your keyboard, you just turn down the volume on those things. God's speaking but you're just turning down the volume. Every time you turn down the volume, you're disobeying the voice of God. And eventually, as you turn down the volume, eventually you're muted. You put them on mute. Say, Pastor, what do I do about that? You have to unmute. How do you unmute? You repent. You repent. I want you to stand to your feet while you're here. God wants you to hear his voice. And if you haven't heard his voice in a long time, it's probably you've been turning down the volume a long time. You might be at a place where you've muted God. And maybe you're here today and you need to repent for that. You've disconnected from him, his voice. You need his voice in your life. The, probably the most impactful thing you can do in your life is hear the very voice of God. Imagine, just think about it. You're like, yeah, I know, but I'm not. I know. That's why I'm telling you what I'm telling you. I think God, with every head bowed, every eye closed, just close your eyes. Just be still. I think God is speaking to some people. It's like, he's like, son, I, I already asked you to for, forgive your father, to forgive your mother. Daughter, I asked you to stop sleeping with your boyfriend. I shouldn't even need to tell you that. It's already written in the word, son, daughter. Son, I told you to seek counsel on that. You just went out and did it on your own. Now you're driving across the country, relocating your whole family, but you didn't, didn't even seek counsel. You didn't even talk to me about it, even for a second. You talked to somebody about it who would agree with you. 
Son, you want me to say something, but you're not obeying the something I already said. If you're here today and you know God is speaking to you right there where you stand, I, with your eyes closed, having a moment with God all by yourself, I want you to just repent and say, I'm sorry, God. I'm so sorry. I'm sorry that I have not listened to you yesterday and I'm expecting you to speak to me today. I'm sorry that I keep going to you for what I should do instead of going to you trying to find strength in you. I'm sorry, God. I'm sorry. Here's the awesome thing about God is that when you turn to God, the Bible says repent and turn to God and times of refreshing will come. Acts 3.19. God wants to refresh your relationship, not tomorrow, not in a week of penance, not going through a whole bunch of consequences. No, as quickly as you meant that from your heart, he can refresh and he can restore and he can unmute the connection between you and God. But now there's, there's another group of people here. Maybe you've never made that connection at all. All campuses, all locations, listen. Maybe you're here today and you've never repented for your sins. Not the sin of not listening to God and obeying him as sheep, but you're not sure you're one of his sheep yet. You know what? You have to choose that, sir, ma'am, boy, girl. You have to choose to be a part of his family. And if that's you today and you want to choose to be a part of his family, the requirement of you is to repent is to say, it's not my way, it's not my will, it's not my voice, I will follow, I will follow you, Jesus Christ, whom to know or right is life eternal. If you want to know Jesus Christ and you want to begin to hear his voice and build a relationship with him and you know you're lost without help and you know the only one who can help you through this crazy nuts world that we're living in right now, and that's a fact, is Jesus and you're ready to make Jesus your savior and your Lord, which means you'll follow him, would you raise your hand good and high and say, Pastor, that's me. I don't want to go another day. One, two, three, four, five. Thank you, everybody, right there. Thank you in Jesus' name, all the way in the back. Thank you for your courage. God bless you. Framingham, raise your hand good and high so the campus pastors can see you. TC, so they can see you. It's not everybody's looking at you, just the leader, so they can help you and guide you. Now say this prayer with me, everybody, in Jesus' name. Say, Jesus, today I surrender my life to you. I turn it over completely, fully. I can't save myself. Only you can save me. Today is the day of salvation for me. I want to know your voice. And I know you know me. And I will follow you in Jesus' name. Let's give the Lord a big hand clap. All locations, all campuses, everybody here, say amen and amen. Isn't that amazing? All right, listen, let me just tell you one more thing. Point number five, and then I'm gone. I'm way over, but let me just say this. You knew that was going to happen five weeks out. Praise God. Here's my last point. My last point is, you, you might be here, and you might say, Pastor, this is going to be a rare few, but I'm, I'm here for you. You might say, I, I, I think I've done all that. I'm not perfect, but I think I've been doing all those things, and I still can't hear the voice of God. If you can't hear the voice of God, it's because God is testing you. God is testing you. God is testing you. I remember being in school and, and, and listening to the teacher week in and week out. Talk, 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 teach, 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 teach. And you know what it's like. At some point you're like, I've had enough. I can't take anymore. And then one day you come in. It's a Friday. Everybody's quiet. You show up a little bit late. Everybody's sitting at their desk. There's a piece of paper on the desk. It's turned upside down. And the teacher says, please be seated. No more talking no more laughing. Like my mother used to say, Quaker meeting has begun. No more laughing, no more fun. Now you're about to take a test. And you are like, but, 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 what, what about, 
what can I do? What's the answer? Now you want to talk to the teacher because you're, you're being tested. And the teacher in silence is sending a message to you. Do what I already told you to do. Remember what I already said. I want you to apply that. I'm testing you because I have big plans for you. The testing of your faith worketh patience or perseverance. Let it have its perfect work, perfecting you, maturing you, as it says in the book of James. Are you with me? As I conclude, let me say, as the worship team comes, every believer is meant to live a life led by the Spirit of God. And this is how. Can I have an amen? Are you guys blessed today? Come on, worship team, take over. I love you guys. I love you, campuses, Framingham, TC, online. God bless you. Have an awesome day. You guys are awesome.